please remain standing. If you have your Bibles, please open with me to the book of Philippians chapter 2. And we're going to be reading from verse 5 all the way to verse 11. Philippians chapter 2. We will read from verse 5 all the way to verse 11 as we begin the reading of the word of the Lord. Now the Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was in who? Also in Christ Jesus. I read that again. Let this mind be in you. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. In verse 6, he then goes ahead to say, who being in the form of God did not consider himself robbery to be equal with God. Verse 7, but made himself of what? No reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men. Verse 8 goes ahead to say, and being found in the appearance of a man, he did what? Humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of what? Of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. Verse 11 as the last, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Praise the Lord. Now if multimedia will help us in verse 9, let's stay there a bit, but I'm going to just connect verse 5 and verse 9. Just hold verse 9, verse, verse 9 and give us in the new, the NIV version. The Bible says, therefore, God has exalted him to the highest place. In fact, there is a version, NIV, I want to believe, that says, for this reason, God has exalted him. But it all started from the very first verse that says, let this mind be what? In you, which was also in Christ Jesus. By the reason of that mind, the Bible says Jesus humbled himself and went through obedience even to the death of the cross. And for that reason, God has highly was exalted him. Without that mind, we cannot really give God a reason. One way we can give God reason for him to exalt us as the, just the way he exalted Jesus is to have the same kind of mind that who had that Jesus had. If you have that kind of mind, it is not natural for men to be obedient. It is not natural of men to be submissive. But it requires the mind of Christ. If we can just attain that mind of Christ, then we will give God not just one, but a million reasons to find a reason to exalt us. And so this morning, I bring us a word that is titled, The Mind of Christ. Praise the Lord. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, Lord in heaven, we thank you for your word that is about to come. We pray that your word will profit us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated in the presence of the Lord. The mind of Christ. This morning, we am just basically just going to try as much as possible to marry the last two sermons together so that we understand it based on how God wants to speak to us in this season. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. And so, before I start, I would like us to please understand something. The Bible says, John speaking in John chapter 12, verse 49, the Bible says, For I have not spoken on my own authority. If you can help me off this fan, please. The scripture speaking says, For I have not spoken of my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command. I have not spoken of my authority, but the Father who 
sent me, gave me a command. Now this was Jesus speaking and he was saying this at the verge of delivering a message such as this. And one thing Jesus did, he first acknowledged the authority that was given to him by who? By his father. And so he said, for every time I speak, it is not of my own accord, but the father has given me authority to speak in this wise. And so this morning, understanding the place of authority of a man, understanding the place of authority wherever God takes us to, is just what I just want to display in just a minute. Bible says, for I am speaking not of my own authority, but because someone has given me that leverage to speak. And this morning, just like Jesus recognized his father, I want to take time to recognize the senior pastor this morning of whose authority I am standing to speak this word and to break the bread before the people this morning. Please help me celebrate him this morning as I thank him for the platform this morning. And I pray that the Lord will give us reason to speak his word expressly in Jesus' name. Now we go straight into God's word. This morning, like I said, my duty is to try as much as possible to take the last two sermons that we've had. And if you remember very vividly when the word of the Lord started and God started speaking to us, speaking to us concerning giving God a reason one of the first examples that the senior pastor laid was the story of Abraham. Do we remember that story? The Bible says, and Abraham was tested by God to do what? To sacrifice his only begotten son. Now, continually, last week again, the word of the Lord came and another example was used to show us how we can give God a reason. Do anybody remember this example that was made? The story of who? The woman with the alabaster box. I'm just going to stay on these two this morning and try to relate both of them to show us that in all this example, whether it's Abraham, whether it's the woman with the alabaster box, whether it is Cornelius, whether it is Moses, whether it is Solomon, you will find out that it became very impossible for each of them or any of them to give God a reason without having first what we call the mind of Christ. I'm going to show you and teach you this morning that for everything Abraham did, for everything the woman with the alabaster box did, for everything Moses did, every one of them had the footprint of Christ in it. And when God says, give me a reason, the frailty of myself cannot give him enough reason. And that is why sometimes when the, the word of the Lord comes and asks us to give or to sacrifice, I struggle within myself even when the Holy Spirit is saying, do this. And I'm looking at what I have left and what I'm supposed to have left. The frailty of my person cannot release or break the alabaster box. Because for every time he's telling me to break that box, I am thinking of what my children will eat. I'm thinking of my school fees. I'm thinking of a lot of things. The frailty of myself cannot allow me to break that box. Every time he tells me to bring my Isaac to the altar and sacrifice it to him, I am thinking that that is the only son that I have. How will I give the only thing I have to God? All these thoughts come to me because it is the frailty of what the man in me. Every time, like Solomon, that God tells me, I need you to release a thousand offering to me in one day. And I'm telling God, how will I release a thousand to you? Maybe I should give you 900 and keep the remaining 100. I have bills to pay. I have things to do. I have families to feed. And I keep the 100 and giving God how many? 900. Do we all have this struggle within us? It is a struggle that you have. So every time the word of the Lord comes and tells you you have to give God a reason by the reason of your sacrifice, by the reason of your service, there is something in me that does not allow it to flow because it's called the frailty of man. Solomon didn't have it easy sacrificing 10,000, 1,000 in one day. If I'm spoken to by God, believe me, I may not give him 1,000. Perhaps I'll do 900 Perhaps I'll do 950. So when God comes to say that a man like Solomon had given him a reason, there is something that he knows or there is a footprint that Solomon followed that I need to know. It is called 
the very mind of who? Of Christ. And so the Bible says, let this mind be renewed. If you have to give God a reason, first and foremost, this mind should be in you. It is not easy to obey God every time he speaks. Hope you know that. God can tell you, help this person, but the bitterness of yesterday cannot allow me to help the person. I remember the hurt and I hold it to myself. And God is saying, this is just a test to give you or to prove to you that you just need to give me what? A reason. The very mind of who? Of Christ. We're going to see that everything Solomon did, everything Abraham and the woman with the alabaster box did, had the footprint of Christ in it. If we can have that footprint and have the same mind, just like Jesus, the Bible says, because he had that mind, he endured the cross. Endurance doesn't mean he was willing, but endurance means he took that responsibility and endured it. So this morning, I want us to please watch carefully. We're going to go back to the story of Abraham and see all the footprints of Christ in it. Most times when God puts you through a test or gives you an instruction, it's not just that he wants it. He wants to see the mind behind what you are doing. And one of the greatest ways God gives us a test is when it comes to, being, to, to having a sacrifice. A sacrifice may be your giving. A sacrifice may be your worship. A sacrifice may be your service. Anything that God demands, you will find out in scripture that sacrifices are always required. Praise the Lord. The very mind of Christ. Let this mind be what? In you, which was also in who? In Christ Jesus. By the reason of that mind, he obeyed and he humbled himself. And for that reason, God did what? Exalted him. And so let's first start with the story of Abraham. I will go through the story and I'll show you some salient points we're going to take. And we'll see the similitude of Christ in what Abraham did. And all that God was doing in the Old Testament, remember we say, they were only a shadow of the things to what? To come. And the same way God is taking through us through a season that is trying to see the mind that we have. Please be careful. Sometimes when you do things, the only person that knows the mind behind is who? Is God himself. And if he has that mind, if you have that mind of Christ, then you will give him not just one, but a million reasons. Praise the name of the Lord. Now let's first start and go to the story of Abraham. I will go to Genesis chapter 22. I'm not going to bore you with the story, but I'm going to just run through the story and pick some points. When we pick the point, then we'll come back to see the similitude of Christ in what we are speaking about. Is somebody ready this morning? Genesis chapter 22, multimedia help us in verse 2. Now the Bible says, and then God called Abraham. This was after Abraham had waited for many years for his son. And then he had the son, Abraham begat who? Isaac. And the Bible says, and when Abraham had gotten his son, in verse 2, the Bible says, and God spoke to Abraham and said, take now your son. Please, I need you to pay attention to this. Take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. Offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I shall tell you. Now, the very first thing I want you to capture in that is that God told Abraham to take who? His son. He was specific. Which son? The only son. And which only son? The one whom he was he loved. I need you to pay attention to that. That's the first point I want you to grab in that story. The Bible says, and God said to Abraham, you shall take your son, your only son in whom you love. In other words, Isaac was the only beloved of who? Of Abraham. If you can write it down, that's point number one. So Abraham took his only beloved and his only begotten word, son. Is that clear? 
And so God said to him, take that son, the only beloved son, and go to the mountain in which I will show you. Let's go to verse 4. I want to show us the next thing in verse 4. Verse 4 is going to capture the days in which he traveled. This date is very important. The very first thing was that he took his only son and his only begotten son. Now the Bible says, as they journeyed and they got to a point, the Bible then says, then on the which day? Third day. Abraham lifted up his eyes and Behold, he saw the place afar off. How many days journey was it? How many days journey? Three days journey. I need you to put that down as well. Now we will jump to verse 6 and we'll see something else. The Bible says on the third day, the Bible then tells us that Abraham separated himself from the servant which had escorted him thus far. The Bible then says that Abraham took the wood of the bond offering please pay attention he took the wood and he did what he laid it upon who isaac his son please pay attention to that he took the wood and laid it upon isaac his son now who carried the wood of the offering who bought the wood of the offering isaac please pay attention to that so isaac took the wood and Abraham took the wood and laid it upon Isaac. I want to thank um, Pastors uh, Collins on the other day on Wednesday who showed us that at this point for a, a boy to be able to lay a wood and carry that wood and he took it all the way to the top of the mountain, the average age given by study of, of Isaac was between 15 to about 17 years old. So this boy was between 13, 14, 15 to 17. His father was a very old man at this point. Now the Bible says, so Abraham took the wood and laid it upon who? Isaac. Very important. Now let's go to verse 9. Another salient point, the fourth one. Now all this story is showing us the, the, the steps between when Isaac, Abraham was ordered up until the point he made the sacrifice. Now verse 9 tells us something very salient as well. In verse 9, the Bible said, And they came to the place of which God had told them, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. Now this is a salient point. The Bible says, And he bound what? Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. What I want you to capture in that is that he bounded the hands of his son Isaac. Pastor Collins told us as well that it wouldn't have been easy for Isaac's hand to be bounded by his old father if Isaac had not submitted and allowed it to be. Just imagine a 95-year-old man trying to bind your hand as a 17-year-old. You can resist if you want to. So I need you to capture that as well, that Isaac's hands were what? Were bounded by what? His father, Abraham. Now I need you to look at verse 12 again, another point we need to see. This shows us the whole story of Abraham, but there's something that has the similitude of Christ which we want to see. In verse 12, the Bible says, And God said, the angel appeared and said to him, Do not lay your hand upon the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Now please pay attention to this. What happened at this point was that Isaac was already laid on the altar and then Abraham took the knife and he was about to pierce the heart of his son. If he tries to do that, one thing or two things are most likely going to happen. He's going to break one of his rib cage to his heart and he's going to rupture his heart until the boy dies. Do you believe that? Now, so and so, the bones will have been broken and harm will have been done to the child. But the Bible says, and God said to him, do not lay your hand upon the word, upon the child. Now, the very last thing I want us to see is in verse 13. This is important. The Bible tells us in the same, in, in the same chapter, verse 13, the Bible says, Then Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and there was, and there, and there behind him was a what? A ram caught in the ticket by the horns. That's where I'm interested in. So Abraham went, 
took the ram or the lamb and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of who his son. So please pay attention. There are six things that I've mentioned here that cumulate the story of Abraham offering Isaac as a sacrifice. Number one was that one thing was involved. His only begotten son was involved. Number two, something else was clear here that it took a three-day journey to get to the mountain and will take a three-day journey to return from the mountain. Number three, we also saw that Isaac was the one that bought the wood which he will be used to be sacrificed by himself. Number four, we have seen as well that Isaac through that season was bounded before he could be sacrificed. On number five, I've also shown you that Isaac, Abraham was, was, was instructed not to lay his hands upon the son. And lastly, we have seen that a lamb was sacrificed instead of what Isaac. Now you ask yourself, this looks nice a story. And the story that we read is that Abraham sacrificed his son and was tested by the reason of this sacrifice. The Bible tells us concerning Abraham that God found a reason to bless Abraham the more. Bible says, and God said to Abraham, don't lay your hand on the son. I have found out that you really obey and love me and for this reason. Remember, this couldn't have happened as we have seen if Abraham did not have a similitude of the mind of Christ. Now, how does that play? I'm going to show you so that you will know that as far as living our lives are concerned, as far as living our day-to-day -day life is concerned, one thing will be guaranteed that we cannot give God a reason as much as we, uh, if we do not have the similitude or the mind of Christ. The woman with the alabaster box wasn't in church on that day. She was in a party when God found her out. And if we can see the similitude of Christ in what she did and in what Abraham did, then you will spoil you to know that our everyday living, as much as it has the mind of Christ, God will find that reason to exalt us in Jesus' name. Is somebody ready this morning? Now we have seen Abraham. Now we are going to look at the aspect of Jesus Christ. Now remember the first thing we said. Was Abraham sacrificed his what? His son and only son in whom he loved. Sometimes when God takes us through a test, he wants you to see himself in you. Now the Bible then tells us concerning Christ and the very mind of Christ, the same thing that Jesus did. The scripture tells us in Romans 8 and in verse 32, multimedia help us. The same way Abraham took his son and his only begotten son in whom he loved. God was using that story to tell us that there is Christ in everything Abraham did. The Bible then tells us in Romans 8 verse 32 that God who did not spare his what? His son but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Abraham gave his only begotten son and God also gave what? His only begotten son. In fact, the Bible tells us, for God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his what? His only begotten son like who? Like Abraham did. The next thing we'll see is in John chapter 19 verse 17. The Bible said that it got to a point in the case of Abraham that Abraham took the wood by himself and he laid it upon his son Isaac to take to the place in which he will be sacrificed. In the same similitude, the Bible reflects Jesus in that story saying the time when Jesus was going to be, to be crucified, the Bible says, and he, which is Jesus, bearing his words, his cross. Isaac bore his own wood and Jesus did what? Bore his cross. The Bible says, and he bore his cross and went out to the place called the place of the skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha. So Isaac bore the wood and Jesus bore the what? The cross. Is somebody seeing the similitude here? The Bible also tells us that one of the things we learned that the hands of Isaac were bounded before he could take him up to the cross. The Bible also then tells us in Matthew 
Matthew chapter 27 and in verse 2. Remember we said that Isaac was only submissive to his father. If not, his hands couldn't have been bounded. But the Bible tells us in Matthew 27, just as Isaac's hands were bounded, the Bible says in the same similitude, the mind of Christ, Bible says, and when they had done what? Bounded his hand. They led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Isaac's hands were bounded and Jesus' hands were also what? Bounded. The next thing we learned was that the Bible tells us concerning Isaac, that God said to Abraham, do not lay your hands upon him. These are all having the similitude of Christ in it. The reason is that if Isaac was killed, his bones would have been broken. But concerning Jesus, the Bible tells us in Psalm 34 verse 20, even when he was crucified on the cross, none of his bones were what? Were broken. Now, Isaac's story was not just a story of a man that wanted to give God a reason. It was a story of a man that was reflecting Christ in him. The Bible says, and God said to, to, to them that you shall not lay your hands upon him. Psalms 34 verse 20 tells us, he guards all his bones and not one of them is what is broken. The Bible tells us as well in Revelation 5 12, just as the similitude of what of Isaac and of Abraham, the Bible says there was a lamp that came as a substitute instead of Isaac. But the scripture also tells us in the the same similitude as far as Jesus was concerned, he said, saying in a loud voice, worthy is a lamb that was what? That was slain. If your story does not capture a part of Christ in it, you may not have as much reason to give to God because all he wants to find is himself in you to find a reason to exalt us. Praise the name of the Lord. The Bible also tells us in Hebrews chapter 11 and in verse 17, all the while we have taught that Isaac left that place without being crucified or without being sacrificed but the bible tells us in hebrews 11 verse 17 by faith what happened when abraham was tested he offered up isaac and the bible says and he who has received the promises offered up his only begotten son so the same way jesus was offered isaac was also offered unto christ remember as well the bible tells us that when jesus died on the third day he did was he rose again and remember how many days journey did it take abraham to get to the place three days and on the time that isaac was sacrificed it would take them another three days to go home and be seen by their parents and the mother and everyone the story of abraham had everything the similitude of christ the same way god expects the story of our lives to have the similitude of christ praise the lord and and when this similitude is presented to him, all the tests that Abraham went through wasn't the test to see his faithfulness alone. It was a test to see the faithfulness based on the mind of Christ in him. If you do not have this similitude, you may not be able to give God any reason because he is the reason in which he's looking for in you. And that is why the Bible says, and Abraham sacrificed. What is it that God has asked us to sacrifice? It may be difficult for you to do it because we are thinking of self. The moment the thought pattern changed from self to Christ, then sacrificing our own Isaac become an easy thing. Praise the name of the Lord. Somebody give God praise in the house this morning. Now it's important to know that for every time God does this, there is something he's looking for. He's looking for a bit of himself in what he's doing. So I don't know what test you may be going through this morning. The test may be for you to release something. And what we may be thinking is, how can we release the only thing we have? Sacrifices doesn't mean that you give all because based on what you have. God wants to test a little bit of what we have inside of us, which is basically based on the mind of Christ. Praise the Lord. Secondly, let's look at the story of the woman with the alabaster box. We're going to look at the story of the woman with the alabaster box. But before we go to that, the Bible tells us something in Romans chapter 20 and in verse 8. Numbers rather, chapter 20 and in verse 8. Now, 
this is a story of Moses. Numbers 20 verse 8. The Bible said, And when Moses led the children of Israel to one of the wildernesses, the Bible says, And there was no water for them to drink. And the people complained against Moses and against God, saying, For there is no water for us to drink. And God said to Moses, The people need water to drink. And God gave Moses an instruction in verse 8. I'm not going to read all that for us. But God gave Moses an instruction. This was the instruction. He says, take the staff. When you take the staff, you will go to the rock. And he says, you will lift up the staff and you shall speak to the rock. And the rock shall produce water for the people to drink. But the Bible says, but when Moses got there, remember when God gives us an instruction it is expected of us to obey to the letter because instructions are not just mere instructions given, but trying to see the mind in which you will use to obey such instruction. The Bible says, and the people grieved the hearts of Moses, and Moses, instead of speaking to the rock, remember the story, what did Moses do? The Bible says he hit the rock how many times? Two times. When God gives instruction. Don't let your emotions take over you. Don't let grief take over you. Don't let, don't let greed take over you either. The Bible says, and Moses hit the rock two times, and yet God still produced the water to feed the people and to quench their thirst. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4, we got to know why God told Moses, that for all you have done on this day, you've not allowed me to honor myself. And God said to Moses, for this reason, you will see the land, but you shall not inherit it. First Corinthians 10 verse 4 now showed us the mistake that Moses did. Emotions may take over you and stop you from obeying the very instruction that God gave. For every instruction, God only wants to see one thing, the very mind of Christ. And the Bible said concerning that story, it says, And all drank from the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was who? And that rock was who? So when Moses was giving instructions to speak to the rock, he thought it was just an instruction that can be overtaken by his greed and his anger. And that is why sometimes when God tells you to release some things, you will find yourself holding back because of greed. If I let it go, what will remain of me? Sometimes God is giving you an instruction just to test you, to give or to let you show him a reason. And he's saying, help this person. And the, the, the influence of, of, of anger is telling you, I cannot help that person. God is not telling you to do something based on what you want to do. He's trying to give you a test because for every test, he wants to see the mind of forgiveness in it. He wants to see the mind of forgiveness. He wants to see the mind of sacrifice. He wants to see the mind of obedience and everything that represents Christ. So the moment you say to yourself, I will not do it. In other words, you are saying, just like Christ forgave, I will not forgive. But in all, Christ was, God was telling, telling Moses, do this and let me show Christ in what I want to do. But Moses hit the rock, not knowing that the rock was what was Christ. This morning, the Lord will deliver us in the mighty name of Jesus. Lastly, let's look at the second story, the story of the woman with the alabaster box. And this time, I'll also show you how the story went and how we have the similitude of Christ in it. And in that similitude, we can take, a, a, a take away from there by having the mind of sacrifice, which is in Christ. Remember, the Bible tells us in Matthew 26, verse 2, Pastor shared this story last week, of how Jesus was invited to a party by Simon, I believe. And the Bible says when Jesus was in the party, that a woman with an alabaster box came in. And the scripture tells us that the contents of the alabaster box were fragrance of oil that was very what? Expensive. Now I need you to catch this. This event, the Bible tells us, happened in the Passion Week. It was some few days before the crucifixion of Christ. I want to point out something. 
And the Bible says in Mark 14 verse 3, and the oil was very expensive. And yet the woman broke the alabaster box. Now I'm going to tell you why and when an alabaster box is usually being used. And when she broke the alabaster box, the scripture tells us that the fragrance filled with the whole room. Have you ever used an expensive perfume before? Anybody? You, the fragrance filled the whole room. Now, it reminded me of a story when I was still in campus one time. My roommate had, he had a little oil, a, a small perfume oil on his table. So I went to him and I asked him if I could use a bit of his oil perfume. And he told me to go ahead. And so I picked up the, the perfume. It was a very small bottle. And I opened the lid and the, the, the fragrance or the smell, let me call it a fresh smell, was very, very strong and masculine. I seemed to like what I, I smelled and so I put a little on my hand and rubbed it on my neck and did the same on the other side. And the smell wasn't as strong as I wanted so I added more and I put a little more on my left and then I put a little more on my right. Praise the Lord. Now, I left campus that day and I went to school only to find out that people could catch the, the smell of that perfume from a hundred meters away, praise the Lord. I did not know that there was something called a Hausa perfume. That was my very first time. So I did not know that what I used was a what? A Hausa perfume. So... As I was walking to class, they could smell me from afar. And when I get close to people, I discover they were sniffing the smell. You know when somebody, uh, is that coming from you? I, I, boldly, I thought, I did not know what they meant. And I said, yes, it's coming from me. Praise the Lord. So for everywhere I went to, I just want to let you see the story of the alabaster oil very well. And for everywhere, as I got close to people, you know, when somebody is smelling nice, you just say, oh, you are smelling nice. I, I did not know what they have to do before they ask me, is that coming from you? I, they, they all turned to a sniffer dog and they ask me, is that coming from you? Me that I was innocent, I did not know there's something called Hausa perfume. I told them, yes, it was coming from me. And they would just say, nice. And then I got to class. Everybody were looking back and looking back and looking. I did not know they were looking for me that had the fragrance of Christ in me. Praise the Lord. Until somebody was bold enough to now scream, ah, ah, who's used this house of perfume that wants to kill us here? And then I knew me that was forming that I was smelling nice. Shame now came upon me. And so everybody was smelling the fragrance and I did not know they were uncomfortable. People knew what house, only me did not know what house perfume was. And so at some point, everybody were disturbed. I had to stand up and go a little further. I told them I was stretching my leg that the lecture was long. Praise the Lord. When I got home, immediately I got home, I boiled water. I went to the bathroom and I took a hot bath. I used soap, I used sponge. The only thing I did not use was iron sponge. Praise the Lord. And I cleaned up the smell and I used my roll-on, my, 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 my body spray and cream and I went to bed. I said, at least this smell is gone for today. Praise the Lord. The night came. The smell of my roll-on left. The smell of the cream left. And by the time I woke up, I saw my roommate and I asked him, ah, did you spread this perfume again? He said, no, it's still coming from your, from your body. Praise the Lord. Then I knew I was in trouble. Praise the Lord. How will a perfume last a whole day, even until the following day? This was not a joke. And that moment, I did not know how to go to school again. Because if I go to school, I knew the trauma of the day before. Today was going to be more serious than it was yesterday. Praise the Lord. So I managed as much as I could, went to school. It took at least three days for that perfume smell to finally wear out. Please, anywhere you see Hausa perfume, run, oh, praise the Lord. So 
God helping me, at some point, I finished school and I started working. The memory of Hazard perfume did not leave me. So I told myself I was going to get myself at least a very good perfume, if it is not at least expensive. So when I had the money, I bought myself a very good perfume. By the time I put it on the right, I put it on the left, and I went to work that day. Believe me, nobody told me I was smelling nice. Nobody told me I was smelling nice. I now knew there was a difference between when using a good perfume and not using not so good perfume. The language changed. The language wasn't you are smelling nice. The language was now, the, the language before was, ah, which perfume did you spray? That was not what they were asking me. Now they were asking me, what cologne are you wearing? Praise the Lord. <laughs> now those that knows, knows, praise the Lord. So I now knew that if the thing is not good, they'll ask you, what perfume did you spray? So if anybody asks you what perfume you spray, please just know it's not a compliment. Hallelujah. But if they ask you, what cologne are you wearing? It means you are, it's time for you to booger for Christ. Praise the Lord. Now, Matthew 26 verse 2, the reason why I'm sharing that is to tell you that there is a perfume you can use that lasts not more than one day. The incidence of the woman with the alabaster box. Now, listen carefully. I'm not going to dwell so much on that story. But the Bible tells us that when the woman opened the alabaster box. Now, let me give you a little bit of history. This happened some few days before the death of Jesus Christ. Everything about the death, the crucifixion, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ were already prophesied in Scripture. Jesus was only fulfilling it from the carrying of the cross, me, from the carrying of the cross to, be, to, to the crucifixion on the cross to the tomb that which he was laid were all prophesied. Now, this woman came into a party that she was utterly not invited, and she had an alabaster box with her. If she opened the alabaster box, which she did, the question is: how long do you think the fragrance would last? It wouldn't take more than one day. Now, the Bible then tells us that Jesus made a comment by the reason of breaking the alabaster box, of which gave him a reason for the woman to be remembered for eternity. And this was the reason. But before I tell you the reason, let me tell you what usually happens when somebody dies and is to be buried in the Jewish culture. If somebody dies and is to be buried in the Jewish culture, the, the, the body is presumed dead after only but three days. And that is why Jesus had to stay in the tomb for three days to fulfill every, every doubt that he was truly not dead. And that is why if you read the story of um, Lazarus as well, Jesus arrived there on the fourth day. These things were deliberate as far as scripture was concerned to show you that it was not by chance that maybe Lazarus was still alive. That was why Jesus was able to raise him up again. Now, if somebody dies, what happens is they will get the white clothing, the white clothing upon which the person dies. And then they will wrap the person with the white clothing. Now, this is a way of giving somebody a respectful burial. Just the way we'll buy expensive caskets and do a very elaborate ceremony. Now, when the person is being wrapped with the white clothing, when the person is wrapped with the white clothing, the body will then be carried to the cave or to the tomb where the person will be buried. All these were prophesied as far as Jesus was concerned. But there was one thing that was missing because the only people who do not have the luxury of being wrapped were people that were crucified like a thief. Jesus, the Bible says, was crucified like a thief but was not a thief. And so the Bible says, and Jesus was crucified. And when a man is crucified, what usually happens is they will leave the body there for three days. The body must hang on that cross for at least how many days? Three days. So why then was Jesus not, why then did Jesus not hang on the cross for three days? The reason is simple. The day Jesus was buried, crucified rather, was a day before the Sabbath. And nobody, no person is allowed to hang on the cross on the Sabbath day. And that is why the body of Jesus has to be brought down and be buried on that same day. 
If the following day was not Sabbath, they would leave the bodies of the three people up until three days. But so that scripture may be fulfilled, the Bible says, and his body was brought down, and a man went and demanded to give Jesus a befitting burial because he was not a thief. That request was granted and the body of Jesus was wrapped like every other honorable man. Now there was something that was missing. If not fulfilled, then Jesus would have been qualified to have died like a thief. Now for every, for, for every um, burial that has to be done, one thing must be done on the body before it's taken to the cave. The very thing that is done is that an alabaster box will be brought, will be broken and they will anoint that body with oil. So that when the body is being carried, the people can catch the fragrance of an honorable man being buried. That was not in scripture, neither was it prophesied by anyone. But the Bible then tells us that when the woman with the alabaster box came. There was something she did not understand but something told her that the alabaster box she had had to be offered or sacrificed. There was no need to open an alabaster box in a, in a, in a feast or in where people are gathered feasting. But the Bible says, and she broke open the alabaster box. And one thing you should know about an alabaster box is that when it is broken, please listen carefully. When an alabaster box, unlike your own perfume, you can open it, use it, and cock it back. Alabaster box weren't made like that. They were made of clay, bricked clay. When you break it, it means you will never reuse it again. If you break an alabaster box that can fill this whole, the whole house, when you break it, you will never use it again. And that is why when it is being sold, it is sold in quantities where they can be used. For the people to say that the woman have broken the alabaster box and has filled the house, it was an alabaster box that was supposed to be used for burial and to fill a whole place. But the Bible says she broke it open. When you break it, it's not the box that is being broken. It is only the lid, the top. When the lid is broken, you cannot cover it back. Everything within it must go out. And that is why when God demands that you break something in you, most times we'll break the parts that we can cock back. He's not looking for that. The Bible says when the woman broke the alabaster box. <laughs> Multimedia help us with Mark 14 verse 8. The only thing that Jesus didn't have was an anointed body. The Bible says and Jesus and the woman broke the alabaster box and he, she anointed Jesus with everything that she had. She emptied everything. This was the reason Jesus gave her. You need to understand that Jesus' body would not have the luxury of being, of being, of being, of having an oil or a fragrance before his death on that day. But Jesus said, because you have done this, Jesus said, she has done what she could. Listen carefully. She has come beforehand to anoint my body before my burial. Bible tells us that this wasn't going to be a day before his burial. We're talking about days before his burial. How then will what she has done, what she has done, last up until when Jesus was buried? This is what happens when you give God or you give God something sacrificial. It may look as if it's ending now, but God is not looking at just the content which you poured. He's looking at the fragrance that comes along with it. Now, the fragrance may last just one day to the, to, the, to, the, to the smell of men. But as far as Christ was concerned, this fragrance is not going to last today. It's going to last up until the day that I will be buried. So as far as Jesus was concerned, the day he died, not even the stripes on his body could take the fragrance away. Not even the piercing of the body could take the fragrance away. Not even the weeping of Jesus could take the fragrance away. Nothing that was done could take the fragrance of oil upon upon his burial. And sometimes when God demands something from you, you think it is ended there. Nothing, not even what you go through can take the fragrance of what you've done. And that's why when Jesus demands of you, he's actually telling you, what you are doing can last generation. I can still smell the goodness that you did 2022. I can still smell the goodness you did in 2000. I can still smell the goodness you did in 1995 because the fragrance still remains with me. 
And that is why it may take time, but when God is ready, he shows up and says, I remember the good works in which you did. Because the fragrance lasted a moment for men, but as far as God is concerned, it is a fragrance that lasts for eternity. And that is why even at his death, the Bible says, for Jesus being crucified has become a sweet-smelling aroma and fragrance to us and also to God. This morning, God will give you a reason to break your alabaster box because what you break is not for now but it is for the later. Praise the Lord. I bring this to a close and I'll read to your hearing Ephesians chapter 5 verse 2. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 2. Bible says, and walk in love as Christ has loved us and given up himself an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. Somebody here, you have your Isaac, you are keeping it. But God is saying, it's only a test for me to find a fragrance, to find a reason in you. Somebody here, you have a thousand bull like Solomon, but you are not letting go because you are not looking, you are looking for the immediate. Somebody here, you have the alabaster box and God is saying, all I need is that sacrifice from you. The fragrance will last for a lifetime. If you've been blessed this morning, why don't you celebrate the word of the Lord in season this morning. And please rise to your feet as we say a word of prayer. I don't know what it is, but this message I've gone for a while. And God is saying, I need you to give me a reason. Tomorrow you may be in a wedding party just like the woman with the alabaster box. But even in that party, you can still give God a reason. Tomorrow you may be going back to work and even in that work, just like Abraham was tested, you can still give God a reason. All you need to first do is to first have the very mind of Christ who did not even withhold himself. But the Bible says, and he freely gave himself for the sins of men. This morning, all we are asking is that you have that mindset of everything you do, whether it's giving, whether it's helping people, or whether it's blessing people, do not do it because you expect the praise of men, but when you have the mind of Christ, you will give all. This morning, I want you to ask the Lord, whatever may be your alabaster boss, God, please grant me the mind of Christ to break it this moment. Somebody, the Lord is telling you there is something you are holding on too long for and I just need you to let it go. Give me the reason to break my alabaster box. The alabaster box is of no good for anyone if it remains in that box. But when it is broken, the Bible says the fragrance is beneficial to all. You are a good smelling savor unto Christ. Something in you is waiting to be better so that men can have the fragrance of you. Just ask God this morning for a release of grace to break that box this morning. And as God gives us that grace, our fragrance will be filled and heard in all the corners of the earth. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Father Lord in heaven, we thank you for your word this morning that has profited us. We pray, O oh Lord, that the world will run with us all through the week in the name of Jesus. Bless everyone that have heard your word this morning and the grace to do what you have said. We pray that it will be instilled on us. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. God bless you and bless you indeed. Hallelujah.